0: Throughout this video series, we have gone out to locations all across Montgomery and the river region to try to help you connect the stories of the Gospel of Matthew with our own time and place in history. The goal has been to help us realize that the kingdom proclaimed and inaugurated by Jesus wasn't just for long ago and far away. It is a kingdom that is still coming right here, right now. Today we're back home at Fraser, and I think you'll see why. Matthew finishes his gospel in chapter 28 with this record of Jesus meeting with his followers after his resurrection, back where it all started, on a mountain top in Galilee. We read, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, till the end of the age. We are here today in churches like Fraser and all other congregations of believers around our city and around the world, because the disciples did just that. They went and made other disciples who made others, who made others, on down throughout the centuries until someone told you and me. The question is will we be faithful like they were to continue the mission and make disciples of Jesus Christ of all nations? Also, during this video series, we asked Fraser member Mark Johnson to do a sketch each week. Some have been portraits of historical figures or famous people. Others have been fictional characters, but the kind of people you might meet walking down the street. Again, the goal was to help us connect the people of the Bible with the people we see all around us every day. For our last catch, we gave Mark perhaps the greatest challenge, to do a self-portrait. Partly because we want you to see the man behind the artwork, but more importantly, because a self-portrait represents the simple truth that Matthew's Gospel proclaims. If the kingdom of God is going to come on earth as it is in heaven, it has to start with me. And if it is going to be proclaimed to all nations, the person who has to do it is the person you see when you look in the mirror.
1: Good morning. Good to see you all here today. Thank you so much for being here, especially if you're a guest with us. We hope that you feel Welcome. I want to say hello to everyone who's watching on television and online. For those of you who are in the room, would you please give our online television audience a big hand? Yeah. Also, I want to say a big thank you to Mark Johnson, who he has been our resident artist for 20 weeks throughout this series. And uh, you can see all of the artwork that he has done out in our atrium uh, right after the service. But can we give him a big hand, a big thank you? If you're new with us, one of the things that we do each and every week is we pray for another local church in our area. We believe that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just us here. And so we pray for all kinds of churches in all different places throughout the river region and even beyond. And today, uh, we're going to do something just a little different. We're going to pray for a lot of churches at once, uh, but we want to lift up up our bishop, Bishop David Graves. He is the bishop over the Alabama-West Florida Conference uh, he oversees hundreds of churches, and uh, during this season where we are right now is in Methodism. Uh, there's a lot of pastors who are standing up today uh, or communicating out that they are going to be leaving their congregation and going to another congregation or retiring, uh, and that's, that's tough. That's hard, uh, and so I want to pray for them as well. Just so you know, Pastor Mario, who you just saw on the screen, Pastor Neil, Pastor Ken, and myself, We will not be going anywhere. So you're stuck with us another year. Yes. Yeah. The reaction could have been worse. So that's great. That's wonderful. Good deal. Good deal. So as we pray for ourselves and jump into the word, let's pray for Bishop David Graves and all those moving pastors and churches. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for even already in this service, you have touched us in so many ways. You have blessed us. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is among us. And Lord, we do, we come to you and we lift up David Graves to you. Lord, we pray your blessings on him. Lord, we thank you uh, for his leadership in these days, and we just pray that you would protect him and his family. And Lord, be with all those churches and pastors uh, that are sharing hard news today. Lord, we pray your blessings on them, and Lord, we just pray your grace for them in these moments. We know that you have good plans, good purposes, and so Lord, we trust that. We trust that, and we just ask for you to move in powerful ways through them. And Lord, now I pray that you would give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Our text here in Matthew 28 uh, is the culmination of this 20-week series that we've been in walking through the gospel Of Matthew and we've seen a lot throughout this journey even this past week uh, we had we had 12 services in eight days from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday walking with Jesus in the uh, last week last days of his life and and we've seen so much throughout this journey it's hard to believe that we started this back in November and, and now we're coming to the end and we're coming to the end and hearing Jesus's parting words in the gospel of Matthew. I was thinking about parting words the other day. I'm like, in my family, like with Emily and Eddie Ray, and and I'm real bad. Like when they're leaving, you know, going somewhere, I'm leaving, going somewhere. Especially when they're leaving, I, I say, you know, bye guys, love y'all, have fun. And I'm like, I don't. I've been saying it for decades. Have fun. You know, I, Emily's turned around to me before and been like, I'm going to the grocery store <laughs> for you. You know, it's not fun. You know. And I'm thinking, I love Publix. I love going to the grocery store. I guess that's just part of my subconscious. Like my my whole thing is I believe you got to bring your own fun wherever you are. You know what I mean? Bring your own happy. And so I say, hey, y'all have fun. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, have fun. Jesus' parting words, though, are not have fun. They're not have fun. Now, is the journey fun? Yes, but those are not his parting words. His parting words are go, make, baptize, teach. And I'm going to be with you all the way through. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. We believe that those words are so significant that they are a part of our vision as a church. We believe that God has called us to be a church that fulfills, as a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, and we fulfill the Great Commission by focusing on the Great Commandment, by focusing on loving God, loving neighbor, as we love our That's how important they are. And this morning, I want to give you seven reasons why these words, these parting words of Jesus, are important. So if you like to take notes, you can pull those out. They'll, they're in your bulletin, and you can... The points will appear on the screen, but I want to jump right in, and point number one is this. It is simply that this great commission, it is a command, not an option. It is a command, not an option. So many times we we, we hear Jesus' words here to go, make disciples, to baptize, to teach, and we think, oh, that's that's a really nice suggestion. You know, or yeah, 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 that's that's really good for super Christians. One of the things that we have to come to terms with is that This great commission that Jesus has given, it is not optional if you are going to be a follower of Christ. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. You'll obey my commands. That's how you know that proves your love for me. And so when Jesus stands in front of these 11 on this day, and he says, I want you to go out and I want you to change the world by making disciples of all different kinds of nations, he was not saying, please. He's saying, go. This is for you. And our calling is to be a faithful witness in the world. We're to be a winsome witness in this world. We're to be a voice of truth in this world. We're to do it all with grace. But our job is to do our part and see that this command is for us, each and every one of us. It's a command, not an option. That leads me to point number two. And point number two is that this commission, it is a co-mission, co-mission. What I mean by that is that this is God's mission. And God invites us to be a part of what he is doing. One of the things that helped me early on when I was was first uh, started walking with Christ and really following him, one of the things that really helped me was to understand that this is God's mission, not mine. And God is already at work wherever it is he sends me. If God, I believe, gives us these divine appointments where we have these conversations with people, but, and, and one of the things I used to think was that the responsibility of that whole conversation was on me, and the truth is, it is not. God is already at work in that person's life. If God is calling you to serve somewhere on mission, it's because he's already at work there. That, that's the paradox of it. Jesus sends you where he's already at work. He sends you where he's already at work by the power of his Spirit. If you, we see this throughout Scripture. If you think about in the Old Testament with, with Israel going into the promised land, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, I love this. It, it says, it is the Lord who goes before you, notice that, it is the Lord who goes before you, and he will be with you. Notice that, he is going before you, but he's also with you right here, right now. And he's always inviting us into what he's doing out there because God has this weird ability to be in two places at once. And so he he invites us on his mission, but it's his mission. We are partnering with God. We're, We're following where he is leading because he's already at work in that place. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28 here in verse 20, he says, listen, after you go, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. He said, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to always be with you to the very end of the age because it's his mission. He's on mission as well. He just invites us to be a part of it. Is this making sense to nobody? Yes, is this making sense? Okay. You guys need coffee. All right. All right. So this is a command, not an option. This is a co-mission. God is inviting us into this. Point number three is this, is that it is a community mission. What I mean by community mission is that we do not do this alone. We, the church, are invited into this together. Even Jesus, he is talking to 11 disciples right here. He's not telling individuals. This is something that we do together. I mean, one of the ways to fail at fulfilling the Great Commission is to try to do it on your own. But that's not what he does. He invites us in as a church, as a community, to be on mission together. The question is, what is my mission, my particular mission that God has called me to be on, and who am I, going, uh, who am I living on mission with? That's why I love hearing about Sunday school classes in small groups, in ways that they serve, in ways that they serve on mission, and in the ways they get involved in mission work, both locally and around the world. So many times we think those two things are opposite of each other. We think there are groups or Sunday school or whatever, and then there's serving, and those two things are separate. They're not separate. They're not separate. Nowhere in Scripture are those two things separate. Let me put it to you this way. Bible study must lead to Bible living. Bible study must lead to Bible living. If we're getting together and studying Scripture but never doing anything with it, What good is that? That's dead faith, James says. That's dead faith. And so as we get together in groups, whether it be on Sunday morning or some other day of the week, and as we're studying the Scriptures, we should be asking the question, what is it that God is calling us to do? Yes, there's a personal side of our faith, absolutely. Yes, there are personal things that we have to do and live that devotion out to God. But ultimately, we are called to be on mission together. And so our Sunday school classes and our small groups should be asking that kind of question. How are we living out what it is that we're learning? Because it's a community mission. Point number four is this: is that this great commission it's a contagious mission. It's contagious. I love what Billy Graham said when he said, "Courage is contagious, it's so true, because we feed off each other so much. we feed off each other. But this mission that we're on, and the courage that it takes to live on mission in the world, to reach out to people in many different ways, it's contagious. And when you get together with another group of people and you step out there and you serve in some way, you live on mission in some way, and all of a sudden you start seeing what God can do through you as a group, it becomes contagious. And then the courage to step out again and again and again is there. It's there. There's, it's no wonder that God told Joshua, when Joshua was taking over leadership for Moses, he said, be strong and courageous. Because God knew if Joshua was courageous at the top, that that would filter through the whole people of Israel. And whenever we step out there, again, we get with other believers and we step out and we serve in some way. It builds our confidence in what God can do. And when we see God move in one way, we believe that he can do it again and he can do it again and he can do it again. So this commission that we have, it is a command, not an option. It is a co mission. It's God's mission. It is a community mission. It is a contagious mission. Number five is that it is a continual mission. It is a continual mission. When Jesus founded the church, from that point forward, this mission has not stopped. God has always had a witness on this planet. Now, there have been churches that have stopped and they die. We close them, we sell the buildings. But as far as the big church, it has not stopped. This mission will never stop until Jesus comes back. It is continual, continual. Our responsibility is to make sure for us here that we keep the mission of Jesus that he is inviting us into, that we keep that always in the forefront of everything we do and the decisions that we make. Jesus' mission has to be in the forefront. Matter of fact, you can quote me on this or put it on Twitter or whatever it is y'all do. I don't do any of that stuff. You can can put this out there. If we do not keep Jesus' mission as our focus, the moment Jesus' mission is not our focus, we cease to be the church that he died for. At that moment... The moment when Jesus' mission is not what's forefront in our mind, at that moment, we cease to be the church that he died for. That's how important it is. And this mission, it goes on and on and on. That's why Paul wrote Galatians 6 9. He says, "Don't, don't, Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Don't give up. I know you get tired. I know you get worn out, but you have to keep going. You have to keep going. If we were to go around the room today and I would say, what is the most important thing between you and your faith? What, what, what is it that is most important in your life as it pertains to your faith? We get a whole lot of different answers. A whole lot of different answers. Paul said in Acts twenty twenty four, he said, The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord Jesus gave me. The most important thing, Paul says, in my faith is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me. And the same is true for us. The most important thing for us is that we complete the mission that Jesus has given us together here in this place at this time. Acts 17 says that God determines the times and places in which people live. Which means you and I, we are here in this place, in this city now. And the mission is still going on. We have to keep Hearing God's call, accepting the invitation, and joining in with what He is doing here in Montgomery and around the world. Amen? Does this make sense? You with me? Thank you. (laughs) Number six. Number six. About to get real fun. Number six is that it is a critical mission with consequences, it is a critical mission. With consequences. You can call me old-fashioned all you want to. I don't care. I don't care. You, you, can, you, you can send me an email after this sermon. I don't care. I, I'll delete it. <laughs> all right. I believe in this place called heaven where God is in his fullness. And I believe in a place called hell where God is not in his fullness. Now... You know, Do I like the idea of hell? No. No. But do I believe in the reality of hell? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what we do on mission matters. Eternity is in the balance for people. People who right now have a heartbeat just like you have a heartbeat. God loves them. And he wants them to be a part of his family. And he has sent us out into the world to reach them. To reach them. I believe that Romans ten thirteen says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That everybody is invited into God's family. And everyone who calls on God's name, they will be saved. They will be saved. But verse 14 is also true. But how can they call on him to save them? Unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And then verse 16 is also a reality, but not everyone welcomes this good news. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to make sure that we are faithful, that we are joining in with God in the mission that he has for us right here, right now, and that we let the Holy Spirit do his job and work in powerful ways. You know, as a pastor, I have the privilege of hearing, I think we call them concerns. You know what I'm saying? And I've had a lot of conversations that start with, Pastor, I'm concerned. In fact, a lot of people are concerned. Multitudes of people. You wouldn't believe how many people are talking about this. Now, I've had a lot of conversations that start that way with some mystery group of people. I've never had a conversation that started that way and ended this way. I've never had someone come and say, Pastor, I'm concerned. In fact, a lot of people are concerned. Multitudes. You wouldn't believe how many people are talking about this. I think they're going to run you out of this church. Because, because we are not reaching as many people for Christ as we can. I've never heard that one. Not once. I heard a quote this week that has just been s- stuck with me. Thank you, Buddy Bell at Landmark Church Christ. He said, he said this. He, he said, So many times we look at life as a playground. Instead of a battleground. And I've been thinking about that all week. So many times. That's that's how we do church. We think church is our Christian bubble. It's our playground. where we have the equipment that we want to have. And the food that we want to have. And the fun that we want to have. When, When actually this is a mission base. In the middle of a battleground called Montgomery, Alabama. Called the River Region. And the truth is there are people who are dying and going to hell every day. Some of them are in your family. You work with them. Now, all that sounds really heavy and hard. I get all that. I get all that. But one of the things we've lost in the church in America is we've lost that understanding of the weight of the consequences that are on us if we do not live out Jesus' words right here. And we've got to regain that in some way. Our hearts have to be heavy because people die and go to hell. And we have to say what the early church said. In Acts chapter 15, the church is getting together to decide whether or not Gentiles can come into the faith, whether or not they can be followers of Christ. And I love what James says in Acts 15, 19. He said, it is my judgment, it is my judgment, he says, that we, the church, should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. We should do everything we can to, make, to, to not put barriers up for people who are turning to God because the Holy Spirit is at work. And we as the church, we have to have that kind of mindset that we will do whatever it takes. We will change whatever it takes in order to reach more people for Christ because that's why we are here. That's why we are here. And the mission that we are on has consequences. People's lives are in the balance your kids lives are in the balance and our work is important amen oh me number seven this mission that we're on it, it has to be a Christ centered mission you see only when your life is centered on Christ will you live this kind of mission out only, only then only then you see, so many times we walk around and we say, who, 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 what, who do I love and what do I love? Who do I love, what do I love? See, when Christ is at the center of your life, you're asking a different kind of question. You're asking the question, who does he love and what does he love? And what I can tell you is that Jesus loves lost people and he loves bringing them into his family. He absolutely loves changing people's lives forever. And when Christ is at the center of my life, I not only ask the question, who do I love, what do I love? I'm asking, who does he love and what does he love? And my heart is aligned with his heart. That's the only way, at the end of the day, that we really buy into this vision that Jesus has for the church to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them. And I'm going to be with you in that work, in that work, to the very end of the age. When the church lives on mission, it literally changes society. Just think about it. Think about the ways the world has changed because the church has lived out their mission Government has changed, civil rights movement, the solidarity movement in Poland, on and on and on and on and on. You can go. Think about schools and education and how they've been changed because Christians have been willing to live on mission. It was Time Magazine that said that the Gutenberg Bible was the most important event in 500 years because it brought truth to the masses. That's Time Magazine saying that. But it's because people lived on mission Think about how business has changed. Think about how science has changed. From Galileo to Francis Collins today. Think about how art has changed. The church was behind the arts. We just call it stained glass today. But it has so many other expressions. Think about all the nonprofits that have been started. Think about Red Cross. Think about World Vision. Think about all the adoption agencies that have been started because Christians saw a need in the world and they wanted to live on mission so that people's lives can be changed. When the church lives on mission, when we take this seriously, the gates of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail. And so many times we find ourselves. Exactly where the disciples found themselves on this day. They hear what Jesus is saying. But I love what verse 17 says. You notice that? They see Jesus right before he says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. Right before he says that, the text says, They saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Some doubted. So many times in the church we, we look at doubt as a bad thing. It's not necessarily As long as you do what the disciples did. These right here. Oh, they're living with doubt. How in the world is this going to work? Going to all nations, is that even possible? You know, they're looking at each other like, do you have a donkey? I don't have a horse. You know? We're really going to take this to the whole world? How in the world is it? They're doubting in this moment. But but even though they were doubting, they still took the next step. They still took the next step. They did not let the doubt hold them back from taking the next step and following what Jesus had said to them. And the next step. And the next step. And the next step. I believe for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. This has been our prayer this entire series. For the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Even though there are times when we doubt, that's okay. We, the church, just have to make sure we keep taking the next right step, aligning our lives, aligning our hearts, aligning our strategies to the mission of Jesus to see people come into his family. Even if there's doubt along the way, even if we're not sure how all that's going to work, that's okay. It's okay. As long as we keep taking the next right step step and the question is, is are we going to we're going to answer that by what we do the decisions we make and how we live as a church in the days weeks months and years to come so we'll see we'll see amen, amen. father I thank you because you are so good right now your spirit is roaming this planet. It is moving up and down the streets of Montgomery and Prattville and Wetumpka and Pike Road. And Lord, you are doing amazing things. And you are inviting us to be a part of it. And Lord, I pray for us as a church. Not just as individuals but for us as a church. Even though sometimes doubt creeps in. Even in the midst of worship. And we're not sure how all this is going to come together or work together. I pray that we would have the courage and the boldness to continue taking steps in the direction of your mission that more and more people may know you, may love you, may serve you, may worship you. And may that be our focus. And Lord, would you forgive us for moments when that is not our focus. But God, I pray for a holy boldness. To continue to love people the way you love people. And Lord, I cannot think of a better way to wrap up this series and to share in holy communion. To be reminded of the body that was broken, the blood that was shed for us, that we may be your body sent into this world so that people can see the Savior. So Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' good name, amen.